Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 40 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Saltless Church. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen and amen. Well, good morning, class. Welcome everyone here this morning. Also, those of you that are watching online, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, so as we begin, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd be with us in wisdom, revelation, understanding of your word, of your will, and of your ways. Thank you for your presence here today, O oh God. We thank you for your presence. So wonderful to be with your people and with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We do welcome everyone here this morning, and uh, I'd rather be here as as anywhere I know of. I don't know. Uh, I'm a guy that dislikes church. I like church. I like God's people. I'd rather preach and teach His Word as eat. So I thank you that you give me the opportunity to work this thing out in front of you. It can be embarrassing at times, as I'm trying to learn how to bring forth the truths of God. This teaching, as we can see, is as in the days of Noah. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I'm hoping as a prophetic people that you're coming in contact with the overall understanding of the New Testament after the four Gospels. It, the, basically, the Bible is all about the New Testament, about the second coming of Christ. Old Testament, the first coming, second coming, uh, is the New Testament. And so once you start viewing the Scriptures, uh, Matthew through Revelation, once you start viewing the Scriptures in light of it's speaking about the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. So if you want to know the context of the Scriptures, there is your context. It's about the second coming of Christ. And a lot of times we can get off on our interpretations a little bit because we leave that premise of understanding. Now, as we move forward today, I'm going to, last week we talked about the COP27, what happened in Egypt last week. There's been a lot of prayer went on about that this week, uh, and that they finally, I uh, think, just concluded the last few days. Uh, I have looked at uh, and read what little bit they've put out about their new Ten Commandments. Uh, I wasn't that impressed. I don't think God was that impressed. I haven't inquired of Him, lest there be a thunder. And uh, But I can't imagine God's that impressed with it either. It's They haven't really released it, and the fullness of what they're saying are these. There's been little snippets of um, little bites of what they say are these new uh, climate change, climate, uh, the congregation of the climate people. That would make a sci-fi movie, wouldn't it? Uh, so we're looking at the time period here as we've been going through these uh, these last few weeks. The time is the time of deceptions, delusions, illusions, false perceptions, progressive reinterpretation, selfish prophets, running prophets, Third-day prophets, a pagan church, a woke culture, the apostate church, and today we're going to do the saltless church. And uh, now the good news in this is I am headed somewhere. And where we're heading is I'm trying to take the flow of the scriptures with what's happening in our world today and uh, then just plugging it into the scriptures and what is going on in the scriptures and the world today. Now, as we move forward, this is some encouraging news, some good news. The end is not yet. Can somebody say glory? The end, the end, is, the end is not yet. Here's the scripture, Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, he says. The end is not yet. When you see all these things, the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, or it says some translation, birth pains. So we know that you have birth pains. 
before birth. But I want us to start introducing us in this time of Jacob's trouble and all of these hard times, everything that we're seeing going on the earth. Let's start inserting today uh, birth pains. Now, birth pains is, we see the end is not yet, so we've got birth pains, but but birth pains is what you have right at the beginning of a new birth. Don't concentrate just on the, on the pains because it is about birth pains, but it's because there's something coming. Something's on the way. So even though the birth pains are here, we're looking for this birth. So, you know, God is so selective in, in, how the, script, in the words he uses, right, in conveying uh, the symbolism uh, and the thoughts of what God's Holy Spirit's trying to convey to us. So we do see that it's at the beginning of these birth pains, but it also gives us this idea of something's being birthed. Now, we can say this, the end of the world or the world in the end. Two different, two different ways to look at scriptures. Uh, the end of the world, which that's what we tend to concentrate on, or it can be uh, the world in the end. Now, I wish I had thought of that. I didn't. That's Dr. David Jeremiah. That is his quote. And uh, to me, it's so, in a little quote, so says a lot, so kind of says it all. So we're looking at what we call the world at the end of the age. So we're in an age, and it's going to come to a conclusion of that end, but hopefully your eternity future has already begun. So we are the products of the birth pains. We'll live through the birth pains, but then we're products of that prophetic movement. Now, keep that in mind as we continue here for a little bit, looking at some of these devastating things. Um, now, I, I covered this uh, the last two weeks. Now, this is very important as I move forward in our teaching. Christendom versus Christianity. Don't let that just say it and just let it go. It's important that you make this distinction for where we're headed. Christendom and Christianity. We need to understand the deception and the difference. The world, Christendom, and true Christianity. It's those three, three things. And what you know, a lot of times we think about well, we're Christian and we're Christian, and then there's a world. Well, there is the Christian and the world, but then there's Christendom, which I've explained that to you. That encompasses everyone who claims to be Christian. But we know that everyone that claims to be Christian is not Christian, right? But we have to consider this world of Christendom because it's this world of Christendom that's going to basically cause the kingdom of God the most problems. And we'd like to say it's the devil, but it's going to be the devil using Christendom. So that's, that's where we get into a little bit of a hiccup here. Of we can be all out there jumping up and down about the world if we want to. But it's where the church is used by Satan to come against the kingdom of God. That's the deception. That's the mystery that we, needs to be revealed to us. So that's, that's where we're headed. Now, considerations in understanding the end times, Christendom, or the universal church, I explained that all the way back to Alexander the Great, how the concept, the ideology came into existence, the remnant or the true born-again Christians, culture, religion versus enlightenment. So now we start having this mixture in culture, and that mixture is religion versus enlightenment. And then I explained to you in culture, now, in culture, you got cult, you got the religious side of a culture. Then we had enlightenment throwing out the religious side, which then was Christianity. But actually, they were throwing out Christianity, but they were trying to throw out Christendom. Now, the, the problem with throwing out Christendom is Christianity's in Christendom, you see. So you're talking about throwing the baby out with the bathwater, perhaps. Now... This mixture creates confusion in the church. Now, it's the mixture that we need to understand when we approach the Bible, when we approach the Scriptures. 
when we approach the book of Revelation even, we need to understand the mixture, Christendom, and the remnant. Now, First John 4, 1 puts it this way, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, um, whether they are of God. We see that is indicated in a mixture. The Bible also tells us to test all things, hold fast what is good. First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5.21. So we are to judge, we are to test uh, what's happening. I even saw yesterday, not that I'm a big embracing, uh, embracer of the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, but usually they're pretty rigid, pretty strict. Uh, they passed yesterday to accept same-sex marriages. Uh, yeah the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. So, but that's, you know, I don't know why it so shocked me, but uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, now, mixture creates problems. And so as we see this mixture happen, it's easy, it's easy for mixture to bring down a true, a truth. You can dilute truth to where it's not truth anymore. Truth, that's the reason in preaching it's important to preach the truth without mixture. You, you, you're supposed to preach the truth without mixture means it's supposed to hurt your feelings if you're guilty. <laughs> that's, that's what it means. If if it doesn't hurt your feelings and you're in sin, uh, we're not we're not preaching it strong enough. I hope y'all can agree with me on that. So we see that mixture creates problems. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in the church is a mixture, mixing worldly uh, philosophies with the Word of God, mixing flesh with the power of God, and mixing false teaching with truth. The children of Israel were continually getting into trouble, as we all know, mixing with pagan practices and idolatry. That was their issue of the mixture. They tried to worship God and worship idols as well. Uh, they wanted to mix the rituals of the Gentiles with their own worship. Uh, this always brought the judgment of God every time. It always brought a mixture. If you want the judgment of God, did you know that the judgment of God will come upon the church before it will the world? It's because of mixture. Now, the same tendency, of course, is in the church. Some teach humanistic philosophy along with biblical principles. Some teach New Age practices along with genuine gifts of the Spirit. This is just a little bit of a recap of last week. And what does this produce? Now, we got into last week, of course, uh, COP27, this is where this is a mixture. Uh, everyone here is pretty much aware of that, right? Raise your hands if you are aware of that. So I know, okay, everybody's kind of aware of that. COP27, uh, it's where the religions of the world came together in the United Nations for their climate uh, world summit. Uh, and they all came together. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today. I did that last week. But I've got to have it as we merge in to where we're headed uh, about the church and mixture. Uh, COP27 is a UN meeting where world leaders gathered. They discuss what to do about climate change. This year they are inviting religious leaders from around the world. Pope Francis and the religious leaders decided to get together and have an interfaith day at Mount Sinai, which they did. That was last Sunday, a week ago today. Uh, they are going to call for a new uh, universal Ten Commandments, they call it. Um, and, and there again, just keep, get it in your brain a little bit. They could, have, they could have called together these leaders. They're trying to have a group of unity with all the religious leaders of the world. Uh, they could have picked uh, pine trees in Africa. Or they could have picked a rock in the, somewhere. But they, but they picked climate change. So you have to ask yourself, there, there's got to be an agenda that goes with climate change that will affect, uh, will affect all the people of the earth. And you've got to have a message that everyone will agree with. That's called unity. So the, the message is climate change. We're all going to die if we don't 
quit burning fossil fuels and owning a cow. And and if don't ask me about the cow. So it so there you have to find a reason. What's the best reason that you can convince the world to come into unity? You're all going to die if you don't change your ways. What's the gospel? You're all going to die and go to hell if you don't change your ways. Right? So, so the me- we got to understand what is a message that the whole world could agree on. And that is our greatest sin is we're destroying the world. So therefore, you need to repent of destroying the world. You need to repent of that. And we come into unity in our repentance. I just stand here and make a declaration. I'm not coming in unity with it. It probably doesn't make any difference. But I'm not coming in unity with that message. That is a lie out of the pit of hell to convince people and to scare them in. And there's not probably anyone sitting in here, me included, who don't consider that we haven't heard it just a little bit. It's already in us. It's already in us. I'm telling you, people are worried about COVID vaccine. You better worry you're worried about that one. The climate change, spiritual vaccine that's been put into your spirit. Now, that's the truth. Now, Pope Francis invites Christians to a month of ecological conversion. we got to have a conversion now. Pope Francis calls on Christians to repent and modify our lifestyles to save the planet. There again is to walk side by side with the gospel that we are born again. Our lifestyle changes, right? This message is your lifestyle changes. So there again, you see, the enemy always copies the storyline of God, the Antichrist. He's just a copy. He's a deceiver. This message is a message of deception. Climate change dialogue being translated is really about world control, and that's what's happening. This sounds just like the system of the Antichrist that will use to take control of the world. The Antichrist will be in control of the monetary system and in control of buying, selling, and all the processes of the earth, which I hit that last week, but I'll give you some verses for it. Revelation 18, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, has become the habitation of devils and hold of every foul spirit. That's a, lot of, that's the, a fallen state of every foul spirit, a cage of every unclean, hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And her merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her uh, delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins. Anybody see that? Uh, and that ye receive not of her plagues. And I'm telling you, if you receive the climate change garbage, you're going to be guilty. So, well, Alan, that's too straight. Well, if I can make it straighter, I would. It, it's a deception. And if you start on that deceptive premise, it's downhill from there. You see, you've got a foundational thing of deception. You can't accept the foundation. I'm telling you, the foundation of this new move of deception is climate change. It's the cornerstone, if you will, of where this thing's headed. Now, and it speaks about it in Revelation 18. Now, controlling the environment of the world is a symbolic and prophetic takeover. For instance, uh, how do you, the way it's symbolic and prophetic is. At one time, the United States had a, uh, a spirit, if you will, or a spiritual environment of Christianity over our country, right? But that environment we all know is, is failing. We have a hole in our spiritual ozone, if you will. Now, what's happening here with the climate control message is about controlling the environment of the world. It's a symbol. 
right? So it's, it's about prophetically, we're going to control the environment. To the point, all the religions come together. We're going to agree on this message. And then we will control the environment of the world. Listen, climate change environment, the, the, the dialogue, the narrative is controlling the world right now. So it's a symbolic and they're saying climate change, but I'm saying it's spiritual climate change also. It's, it's controlling the earth and not so much that they brought all the spiritual leaders together. Could this fear lead to famine and scarcity? Faith-inspired climate justice is what COP27 is all about. They are encouraging religious leaders to be engaged in this dialogue and to show how it is a sin when we use gasoline or any type of fossil fuel that generates a carbon output. Now, but what about the church? All right, we've went over all of that to get to here. What about the church in all of this? Well, did you know the Bible talks about us? Directly speaks to us. Now, it's going to, let me suggest something to you as I begin here. I believe, based on the Word of God, that the church of Jesus Christ in 2022 and 23 and beyond can walk in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm convinced of that. Totally convinced of that. If you hang with them for two or three weeks, I'll show you how it'll never happen with a mixture. The grace of God doesn't handle a mixture. It's not what it's designed to do. We've got to have good, pure teaching about the mixture. How many wants an outpouring? Amen. Amen. I want an outpouring. Okay. And it just so happens in the Scriptures we can have one. I'm going to go over some things. I'm going to show you where there's some open doors and there's some closed doors. The only thing I can tell you, if you'll turn right quickly in your Bibles to Revelation, I'm, we're going to be using the Word of God, the Bibles more. I'll have less on the uh, uh, overhead just because we're going to be reading more Scripture. Go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And a lot of you are aware of chapter 3. I'm going to kid into chapter 2 and 3 a little bit. Uh, we'll see how much I can uh, get done uh, there. But as I'm and here's the goal. My goal is, where is the church in all of this mess? Climate change. We're already seeing that the enemy has taken claim to the physical and spiritual uh, climate of the, of the earth. They're already taking claim to it. But in Revelation chapter, well, did, I wish I, wish I did, the earth goes through different changes on the climate every 50 years. I mean, the, the earth, if you know a little bit, the earth goes around the sun. It's not really in a circle. It's a little bit of an ob, oblong thing. So as farmers, we're always looking to see where we are in the rotation around the sun. Because your client, in other words, I knew we were going to be in 10 years of a dry spell back in the 70s and 80s based off of that. Now I know we're going to have more rain in this area for probably 10 years, maybe 12, because of where the earth is in relation to the sun. And I said to Trevor the other day, I said, listen, Trevor, I'm not one of the smart ones. When I was in high school, my safety net was that all the smart people would stand up and tell the truth. I got let down. I said, Trevor, where are all of the biologists, all of the, where's all of our smart people? Nobody's telling the truth. People in our people that should know in universities and everywhere have signed up for the climate change fiasco lie of the enemy. And we don't have anybody to tell us the truth. Now, you know good and well if a farmer that barely made it through the 12th grade of high school can understand a little bit, these smart people out there somewhere needs to be jumping up and down. But they'd lose their job, I guess, or they've been persuaded, or they're, 
they're into the transgender, into the, I mean, of course climate can change. If you can change your gender, I guess anything can change. <laughs> but some things just don't change. I don't care what everybody says. All right, what about the church? The church is looking, I think, for the greatest outpouring that the earth can, that can hit the planet during this time. I think it'll be greater than Acts 2. Somewhat like it, but greater. But, but the Holy Spirit's looking for a church without mixture. So if you're sitting in here with a mixture in you, you're hindering us from a revival. Can somebody hear me? Yes. Including me. Me first. Is this preached to? And I tell God, God, I don't know if we'll ever see one then. He said, oh, yeah, I can get you in shape. <laughs> That's exactly what he said to me in prayer. So I, I, I quit talking. What about the church? Now, we're going to look at the book of sevens or the book of Revelation. I call it the book of sevens. Everything in there is sevens this, sevens that, seven churches. So, but what about the church? Well, when you go into the book of Revelation, it's what about the church in light of all this? Light of the second coming of Christ. That's what the book's about. And I'm going to hit just a few things in it. We'll not do the whole book. Now, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the way it begins. The Greek word is apocalypse. The first word, the revelation, is the Greek word apocalypse, which means an unveiling. So as we go into the book of Revelation, we're going to see an unveiling of Jesus Christ. The whole book is about the second coming. The book of Revelation to many appears very confusing. You got seven churches, you got seven seals, you got seven trumpets, you got seven vials. And it looks very cumbersome. And, but listen, you got seven churches, you got seven seals. What you got in the book of Revelation is the second coming of Christ four times. Are you with me? Second coming of Christ four times. Told four different ways. We've got seals. Uh, we've got churches. We've got seals. We've got trumpets. We've got uh, vials. And so, so we see these. We've got four different ways of the second coming. When you do the... Um, I shouldn't get into all of this yet. But what I want you to understand is the book of Revelation, the reason it appears to be confusing at times is because you'll go through the seven seals and you got to understand that the seven trumpets are in the last seal. It just starts the story over again, but from another angle. Are you with me? Seven, uh, seven uh, trumpets are in the last vial of the seven vials. Same story, just starts over again with more information. So when you read through it, you're like, oh, my goodness, where am I? Then on top of that, you've got what's called parenthetical scripture. It's like the Holy Ghost, as he's dictating to John, all of a sudden has a thought. He said, John, stick this in there. It's called parenthetical scripture, or just think of the word parentheses. When you put a parentheses in a sentence, you're just, you just had another thought and you stuck it in there and then you go on. So some of the scripture is parenthetical, but she just sticks it in there, can make you, can, so you read through all this stuff, you're like, this is confusing. When you understand how to take that book of Revelation and just lay it out there, it's not confusing at all. Trust me. Now, the first part of this, and I said, what about the church in light of COP27 in the days that we're living in, in the light of revival? And oh, yes, I asked you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. Look at it in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and sat down with my Father in the throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Anybody see that? Well, if you got to knock on the door, what position is the door? 
it's closed. If Jesus has to knock on the door, it means the door's closed. Go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. Somebody say, key of David. If you're interested, I will show you that in weeks to come. He that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Can somebody see that? I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee what? A what? Say it together. A what? Open door. And no man will do what? No man can shut it. Now look at me. There, is, there are churches that Jesus is standing at the door knocking, wanting in, and then there's a, a church, one church, Philadelphia. It's got an open door. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Now I'm just giving you a little, little, little something to think about here. Revelation chapter 4. Look at it in verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a what? And it was what? There's one church in the seven churches that's got a continual open door, open heaven. Right before chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus says, I stand at the door at knock, coming out of the church of Laodicea. The door's closed. Now the question is, do we want to be a church with an open door or open heaven? Can you see that? Now the other churches, which we're going to go over just a little bit, we might need to do a deep dive on this. The churches, I'm not sure. But the seven churches, you got the you got you got the other churches have a mixture. Jesus said, "I've got, but I got something against you." Everybody understand me? I got so, I got a little something against you. He also speaks about in the beginning. I'm going to go into a little bit in a deeper dive. He said, "I'm going to take your lampstand away. That's your light unto the world." Now, I'll be honest with you, church. Our light's not shining in the world near enough. I'm not sure if our, if our door here is open or if it's partially closed, or I'm not sure if we got it cracked. Help us, Lord. But I am sure about one thing. There is a church that has an open heaven and an open door. But it's a church without mixture. When Jesus spoke to the churches, what he had against them, he said, but I got something. You're doing a lot of things right, but I got something against you, and here's what it is. If you don't repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Now, the only bad part about me teaching this and saying it out loud here, we're now responsible for it. If you didn't know it, you could plead ignorance. Can't plead ignorance now. And I'll tell you why. I'm going for the big one. I am going for the big one. I'm going for the open door. An open heaven. Bob Jones prophesied there's a portal right here of healing. I believe it, but we've seen it closed. We've seen it maybe cracked a little. We've seen a few scattered healings here and there. That's not going to do in these days of COP27. It's not going to get the job done. But we got to recognize where we are so we can do something about it and move forward. Now, I guess I'll know how many wants to go by who's here next week. Because that's where we're headed, is to see why is the doors closed? What's our problems? Let's look at it, personal lives. The Church of Philadelphia is basically the only church in the seven churches that was actually walking in the Spirit. A lot of times we think we're walking in the Spirit and we're not. 
To walk in the Spirit doesn't mean you feel good about yourself. Okay, let me get on here. Y'all want me to get, y'all with me on this? Do I need to go on? I mean, I'm, this is some serious stuff about this day that we're living in. It is just very, very serious. And everything we're going from here on out is going to require more dedication, more repentance on your part, more dedication on your part, more seriousness about walking with God. But I want to tell you something. There's a lot of gifts sitting in this audience. There's a lot of gifts that the door's closed on. They're not happening. They can't work because there's not an open door in your life because you got a mixture. We're going to look at the mixtures and let the Holy Ghost do it. And the Holy Ghost is dealing with me, trust me. Apocalypse has to do with the mysteries and their meaning. So throughout this book, we will find many mysteries made clear. The mystery of evil is unveiled. The mystery of godliness is made clear. And there's a lot more mysteries that I will get into in trying to give us the revelation of a closed and open door. Now, I'm going to start at the beginning here, this little entrance here for us to see where we're headed. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is what? Time is at hand. So this has been 2,000 years that this time has been at hand. But we're seeing a greater fullness now than we've ever seen before of the end of this age. Now, the first eight verses are the first, the key to the book. Now, we just got to go into a teaching mode here, a reading mode. I've already set the premise of where we're headed, what our goal is, and what we're wanting to see about our own selves. And so as we look into this, these first eight verses, Revelation 1, 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass, and be sent and signify it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, there's a lot of prophetic revelation right there in that verse. Now, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not the revelations. It's one revelation. It's the revelation. Now, we're talking about second coming. So we had had to push us into the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation is the book that brings to the fullness talking about the second coming of Christ as in the days of Noah, right? So that's what, so it takes you into this understanding. The revelation is the Greek word for apocalypse, which means an unveiling. So this is where we really get into this unveiling, and there are some incredible things that I want us to look at is we're seeing about a mixture. Is there a mixture in me? I want to see more of the power of, of Christ. I want to see more of the power of the anointing of Jesus Christ in my life. I want to see this supernatural element that I have gained by in the sonship of Christ. And we're going to see it. Now the time is near, it says. So as we get into that in the Revelation 1 verse Two and three, uh, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he, see that? Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of his prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the what? So it says, so the, the time is at hand. So but the very fact of us introducing ourselves to this uh, today about the second coming of Christ, the very fact of us starting to read this part of it, and to get into it means you will leave from here more blessed than when you came. That's what it means, if you believe the book. The process in which uh, the revelation comes. Now, the second sentence of the verse says, He, Jesus, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. You see that? The angel. Now, one thing that happens in the end of the age is there's going to be a greater activity, of, it's going to be greater angelic activity. There, there just is. Um, there's people sitting in this room that I know I have a ministry uh, to uh, a lot of angelic activity. 
uh, even to the point of every now and then they'll hear angels and wake them at night. Uh, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights going forward because angelic activity is going to increase. It will continue. Now, the reason is these angels are ministering to us. They're, they're doing things. They're doing things to you. You say, well, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. It is Holy Spirit under the direction of angels. They carry. They're carriers. They're carriers. And so there's something that happens. It's just one of the components that God puts in our spiritual life for the, are these angels. And we, we know lo very little about them. I know very little about them. I just know they're there and, and that they have a function. I want to hit a few scriptures and show you how that the churches have angels over them. There's angels over this church. And, and, I, and, and I'm even going to show you this, that angels influence each church on what their mess, main message is. So if you come here and say, oh, Alan, I got a great idea. I think we need to go over and do this. Well, here's your problem. The leadership's already under the influence of angels and the Holy Spirit. You see... Jesus didn't go to the preachers of the seven churches. He went to the angels of the seven churches. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to stop right there before we get into it. And those, uh, he made it known, there is a hidden meaning. He had to make it known so you know there's something hidden there. It is actually one Greek word, which in English should be translated signify. So it says he made, he, he made it known or he signified. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, let's look at that. To pronounce it more accurately, say signified. Oh, uh -huh. Made known by signs or symbols. So how did he make some of these secrets and mysteries known? By signified. He did signs. Is that not cool? So, so that's the revelation of the signifying, or how did he make these things known? You see these signs and these signals. and as, as Christians, every one of us sitting in here have things happen in our lives, and when it happens in that moment, it's, it's not words. Something changes, something happens, and you know God did it. That's a sign. That's a signified that is, he's making something known, you see. you see. Now, that will increase. Well, I'm not sure. It's been here the whole time, but it's going to increase in your life because you're going to be more aware of it. Is the proper way for me to say it. And it's, it's, it's my goal as we move forward next few weeks that your ability to... to that the Holy Spirit will make things known unto you and through signifying, through signs, that you're going to be able to read them uh, more than ever. And there's some in here you can say, well, Alan, I'm not that prophetic. I'll tell you something. I'm not as prophetic as I want to be either. We can all grow in it. Is the Holy Spirit gives us more revelation and understanding. One place of growth is to realize that's how he unveils things in this time of the end. Now, he symbolized it to his servant John. So then we enter into the book of Revelation, you get all these symbols of all these many things happening, and we see the symbols coming. That's the reason he spoke to John and he signified it. And the signifying was unveiling secrets and mysteries. Are you with me? Now, so signs are a way to know something's from God. If you come up to me all irritated, like a cat scratched you behind the ear with a bad attitude, trying to tell me something that God told you, that's a wrong sign for me. Can somebody hear me? The nature in which you give something is the sign. It signifies something. The nature in which you give it. I've, I've had a time or two 
that I've been a little bit like a Roman candle, I guess. I was trying to put it as a firecracker. Holy Ghost said Roman candle. I just go off. Anybody in here just gone off before like a Roman candle? Well, I've got just me, I guess. Oh, you did it too. And I've went off like a Roman candle and said the right thing. But my sign was off. Didn't do anything. I just popped and made a bunch of noise. That's all I did. Because my sign of fine wasn't right with the words in which I was saying. Things of the Spirit are passed more by the sign it's given. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? It's important. I promise you, it's the most important. The greatest thing I, uh, I've, one of the greatest things I've had to deal with in my life is, is uh, uh, I've had it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I can see the smiles on your faces. I've had it. I've just had it. Just, I've, just, I've just had it. <laughs> the Lord's taken me to I, I've just had it. He's taken me over that one for years. And uh, the, honestly, the last time, it was the Lord said, well, you better be glad I haven't had it. You know, I, <laughs> and uh, the point being, if I get to a point of I've had it, I have just re- entered the wrong attitude to deliver the truth. Things in this age are delivered mainly by the spirit in which you give it. The enemy is controlling the spiritual environment of the earth. Right? And it's out of that spirit that they speak. If you want to be this person that's in the end time revival, we've got to get these attitudes dealt with because it's through our attitudes, it's through our persona, it's through our spirit man in which we're delivering the goods of the kingdom. I'd rather for you to have a right spirit and say it wrong than to have a bad spirit and say it right. Now, the author is not John of the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave. (laughs) Isn't that something? Blessed the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. You see that? So this is huge. This might sound small, but if you don't get the signifying part down, the rest of it has no value to you. You can hear it, but the first place of repentance is our hearts, for it is there that the heart receives the word of the Lord, and is the heart is the vehicle in which it's given. If you put the, if you put your favorite dog in a refrigerator, so you can preserve it, and go back in a day, guess what? It's dead. You got a dog sickle, his head said. The dog's dead. If you put the truth in the wrong place to preserve it, whatever you put it in to preserve it is what equals the outcome, is my point. So if you could put a truth in a bad heart, the outcome's going to be bad. The truth's not going to be the truth, it's not going to work. So the first thing we got to do if we truly want to see a revival in your life and in this church, the first place, and you can't skip it, is our heart. Because it says, and blessed are those who hear it and do what? Take it to heart. Now, if you look that up in the original, it's just, it'll just absolutely blow your mind. The Hebrew word, Esher, means to guide. Means to guide. Now, Everybody get that? I saw a few writing. means to guide. I'm going to stop right there on the seven churches as we 
uh, began. Uh, John 1, 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Next week we're going to get into those seven churches, the seven spirits. Uh, there's more for us to understand as we're headed towards a revival, revival of our hearts, a revival of this church house, revival of those watching online. Now here, here's, what, here's what we're after. We're after an open door in our lives and in our church house. You say, Alan, that's a tall order. Well, the only thing I can tell you, here's the sad news. It's expected. It's just expected of the body of Christ. If you want to be the church of Philadelphia with an open door, open heaven, it's expected. Anything other than that, we're a mixture. Lord Jesus, we love you, and I thank you for this day. And I ask and pray, Lord, that if there's anything that I've said is not of you, that it would fall to the ground. If anything that I've said, oh God, is of you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken it to our hearts as we walk forward in your word and in your teaching. Dear God, it is our prayer and our hope that New Life Church, Lord, we don't want a crack in the door. We don't want an occasional breeze in our homes, in our families. Dear God, we ask and pray that there'll be such an open door, there'll be such an outpouring that everybody will say, we can run down to that church house because we know there's an open heaven in that place. Lord, let it, the open heavens go from here and be in our homes. That your presence and powers, that your angels might run up and down to and fro from the open heaven. Lord God, I pray that we'll think less like we think and more like you think. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.